So hi everyone, as ever, you are keeping it real with Khadija Khalifa and today I'm very excited to announce that I have Grenade founder, CEO, Alan Barretts. Hi Alan, how are you? Hi there, whenever anyone says founder and CEO, I always think this has got to be hard for most people to believe if they know me, but I'm here, so must be doing something right. You know, I can instantly, I can instantly tell that you're really down to earth, and I love that the podcast is called Keep It Real, and I feel like this is going to be super fun. So thank you for giving oh, up your time. My pleasure, no problem. I, I, yeah, I'm fairly down to earth. Yeah, fairly. Um, so I guess I always like to start with maybe like a quick intro from you. Tell the listeners that maybe don't know who you are, what you do, how you started, that kind of thing, if that's okay. Sure, I can't do a quick intro, but I'll do an intro. No, I can't no, do anything no, quickly. Fine. Yeah, Any, anyone that knows me or has listened to my podcasts or um, any of the podcasts I've done recently, uh, we, I think we just recently did one that was two and a half hours. Um, but yeah, but I can <laughs> so they know they're in for the long haul, probably if they've tuned into this. But no, so I'm um, I'm founder, co-founder and CEO of Grenade. I co-founded the business with my wife in 2010. And uh, this was uh, basically a hobby that turned into an obsession. Um, and Grenade, we, we make, we're known for making uh, basically functional protein bars that taste like chocolate bars and functional drinks. But that wasn't where we started. So our background and stuff that we still do is we make a lot of high performance product for elite athletes and uh, the military including uh, special forces. So uh, I, my wife and I had a distribution business back in, um, in, the, in the, the 90s and early noughties, which used to import mostly American-made sports nutrition products, and we were distributors um, of that. And we just fell out of love with it. So we got quite disenchanted with it, and there were, uh, we, we, you know, we, we distribute thousands and thousands of products, and we noticed that some were very good products that were very badly marketed, um, and there were some brilliantly marketed products that were actually quite poor. And we, we just kind of got stuck, I think, we got fed up with being stuck between, you know, the, the retailer or the, the, the seller in the UK, and generally the American uh, brand. And we decided that we'd, we'd sell that business to my friend, and um, we started trademarking Grenade back in 2006, as a, actually as a weight loss product. So um, to this day, we still have the number one selling weight loss product in the UK. So to the Grenade bottle, you can buy it from Tesco's and Love Amazon it. and Holland and Barrett. And it's quite an iconic product. Uh, we were 10 years old last week. And that's the product we started with. So we wanted to be the Red Bull of sports nutrition. We just thought we'll have one product, uh, weight loss that's effective, and we'll just... we'll basically do things our way uh, or not at all. And like I said, it was, a, it was a, a lifestyle business that was a sort of a hobby that turned into an obsession. We started it with 500 quid. Um, we got down to about 27 quid at one point. And then we, uh, we borrowed a tank and took a tank into a show, a uh, body power show. And it, the, the uh, photos and are on um, uh, LinkedIn. I shared them last week of my wife and I standing there with a, a 20 ton self-propelled gun with the two of us in it. Love it. Um, I've got camo shorts. I'm not dissimilar to the ones I'm wearing today. Ah. Um, and, and basically for, for four years, uh, we just worked and worked and worked, just the two of us working from home. And we just scrimped and saved and built it up and just kept on trademarking, reinvesting. We never took a day off. Uh, we, we never took a salary. And after four years, then back in 2014, the business was valued at 35 million. So not, not a bad start from our 500 quid. Yeah. Um, we sold some shares to Growth Point Capital, hit the reset button, carried on. And then in 2017, we sold some more shares to Lion Capital, 
with um with it with the EV of the business then was valued at 72 million and then that was the last clean valuation uh, that we had and then this is my quick version by the way this is the quick version um the turning point then really was probably 2015 where we were pretty much dominating specialized sports nutrition so intra workout pre-workout weight loss and still very much do but there's not that many people that use that sort of stuff and more importantly although there are more now than there used to be more importantly there's not that many places you can buy that sort of stuff and we knew if we wanted to be the red bull of sports nutrition we always said and just kind of had those few key products that anyway you could buy a red bull you know we should be namely petrol stations and places like that so i said to the guys right we're going to become we're going to we're going to transition this into food and then um we basically came up with the the, the protein bar idea and we, we didn't invent protein bars i think because i'd sold them before for years and i've a distribution business uh but we invented good ones and uh, the uh, the, the, the protein bar market prior to this was kind of like they were like dog chews um, and again many still are so I said look you know I want to make a protein bar that tastes like a chocolate bar because I like chocolate so yeah. we did that and then now we are the number one best-selling not protein bar in the UK because we are but we're the number one selling chocolate bar in the UK wow. so um, yeah so yeah we, we sell more protein bars in the grocers for instance you know Mars sell Mars bars which always surprises me yeah um, bearing in mind we're like three times the cost do you know what? So that's I the quick do. version. No, I love it. Thank you so much. So mm. I met with a mentee before COVID months and months ago, and it was his birthday, and I'd forgotten to get him anything. We were in a Costa. I think it was a Costa. Birthday cake. Birthday cake. I, put, <laughs> yeah, I was everyone like, does oh, that. look, it's your birthday. And do you know what? To this day, bless his soul, he still says, Khadija, I remember you bought me that birthday cake grenade bar, and it tasted delicious. I've got a swatty each. Yeah. Um, Okay, brilliant. Do you know what? I've got so many exciting questions from my audience. You've oh, I'll be the judge of that, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be the judge of how true. exciting they are. Yeah, and just uh, for <laughs> the listeners, I asked Alan before if anything was off limits and he said no, he likes the surprise. So perfect. I don't well, I haven't seen any of these before. And if we do quick fire, I'm crap at quick fire stuff. So oh, no, you, you can do quick do... fire questions, but you won't get quick fire answers. Okay, we're not going to do quick fire, but I do play the yes, no game at the end. Have you played that before? No. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, I'm confused. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> is that what, is that what you're I'm not allowed to say yes or no? Because I'm going to be crap at that as well. Yeah. But go on then, I'm up for anything. I'm up for anything. Brilliant. You're doing this in your bed as well. You're actually in bed. We're doing these things. I'm, I'm not an effort. I'm actually in my office. I'm keeping it real, Alan. This is what... Keep it so real. I, I Keep it real. You, while, we're, while we're talking about that, so, so I'm currently pregnant, so that's an excuse to be in my bed as well. Um, and I've of got course. two children already. Uh, but definitely after, I want to get in the best shape. I'm not planning on having any more, you know, three is the magic number. Also, my partner, he's, he's got quite a slow metabolism. God bless him. He tries really hard, but, you know... He eats one bad thing and he piles on the pounds. So what would you give the best piece of advice, obviously including your products, but also the best piece of advice, because for someone who is really getting them down, not being able to manage their weight. Uh, well, do you know what? There's no, I mean, there's no such thing as a magic pill. And, and for years, and when I was a, one of the reasons I think we were successful distributors were because we didn't actually ever try and sell anyone anything. Um, we weren't open to the public, but public would kind of find where we are and they'd sort of turn up and try and ask advice. And I genuinely want to help people. So with regard to your husband and, and the first product that we did, this weight loss product, 
we designed something that helps with all the aspects of weight loss that we know people struggle with because they're things that you can probably help solve um obviously generally you know people need to move more and eat less so there's nothing you know there's not a magic pill for that but in terms of thermodetonator it helps with appetite suppression so if you know you have one or two of those every morning you genuinely aren't as, as hungry um which again can cause potential other problems which will come into one uh, into a second but generally it's good for appetite suppression um it burns 17 percent more calories than placebo so because uh, it's got caffeine in there uh, another combination of ingredients so you know on average for most people you could burn versus placebo three four hundred calories a day more just by having these but you know again bag and a half two bags of crisps or whatever and that's gone you know the, the tolerances are so small you've only got to be 500 calories a day over what your body needs to be gaining body fat at a rate of a pound a week mm. which is a lot so 500 calories a day can equate to three and a half four stone a year you know it, it, so it, it it you don't have to be far out so but you know for most people that's sort of 400 calories is fairly significant um it's like a slap in the face first thing in the morning. You know, we would say doing, I like cardio in the morning. It works for me. So I get up. I don't feel like doing weights, but I'm generally quite good at doing cardio. And if you've just woken up and you're like me, you're not a morning person, you know, one, two of those um, capsules. And again, it's like a slap in the face. So you will want to do more. So again, that's something we know people struggle with and uh, that helps with. And there's, there's, there's tangible benefits like that, really. You know, if you're, not exercising or you're just eating too much you know is it in the magic pill no um and you know and everyone everyone's different um and then there's a there's a few little caveats i'll sort of say with this as well because it's, it's difficult to give sort of general advice but um with regard to some of those benefits oh and, and actually and you'll drink more water as well because it's a diuretic so you should feel thirstier so most people don't hydrate properly so i mean i've got i've already drunk that so far today and i'm also most most of the way down this one as well um so that'll be three liters just there and it's like two o'clock um but most people couldn't be one of those bottles in a day but because you'll feel thirstier yeah i'm not very hydration hydration is massive so again it should encourage you to hydrate now particularly this is thermodex fine for men and women but particularly and again you can you can look at amazon i've not looked today but we'll, we'll be the number one selling work this product on amazon because we always are um but the uh, for women in particular the only issues we ever get are um oh i i can't sleep at night you know i can't sleep on it well yeah because they've probably had it too late in the day again it's caffeinated so you know do not take these sort of things at, at nine o'clock at night and expect to go to bed um Obviously, that's why it works better in the morning. Um, tend to get people saying, oh, I'm headachey or, you know, I've got a headache. That generally is dehydration. So they're probably, you know, they're, they're um, uh, weighing out uh, fluids and they're not replacing them. So that's, that's the, re the reason for that. Um, and the other one we get is, oh, I, I feel light, lightheaded in the sense that, like I've said, it helps suppress appetite. But then, and obviously this is a common one we get from women, and they say, oh, you know, I, I feel faint or lightheaded. You say, okay, when do you last eat? And they go, oh, yeah, Monday morning. You say, okay, yeah, it's Thursday night. You probably want to, you know, have something yeah. to eat. So, oh, yeah, I'm exaggerating, but it's very easy to have them and just eat nothing and, and stuff. So, again, you have to become, um, uh, you know, quite in, in tune. But this is all just simple stuff. Yeah. And I think, and you know, generally – most people don't need a diet. They need a lifestyle change. It's yeah. no good thinking of thing, these things. I mean, yes, it's fine to 
have you know goals summer goals and think okay i'm really going to push it hard for six weeks but generally you just have to think you know as lifestyle can i be having curries every week for instance or fast food every week i mean just no you should start you know food yeah see, but, but these things people do and you know food is fuel it's not your friend um this is but i'm one of these people that again life's short i like my food i train hard and i generally eat what i want and if i want to tighten things up i can you know i can tighten things up and you know if you go on the holiday you don't want you don't want to but you have to just make better decisions most of the time but this is why things like our um, protein bars do so well because they taste like chocolate bars but they've got half the calories of chocolate bars so yeah if you're going to have you know a 500 calorie chocolate bar you're better off having one of our bars which is high in protein which will fill you up because chocolate doesn't fill you up and you'll kind of have it you know as a meal you're better off doing that if you're going to eat two of our protein bars back to back then you know you've got the same calories as just having had the chocolate bar you've got better macros because you haven't got sugar and you've got protein as i said but if you're just swapping calories for calories you know, there's not an awful lot of point doing it although you are getting better quality calories yeah. um but you just have to start this off and just I mean, it's yeah. difficult at the minute but obviously now thanks to boris we can exercise 600 times a day yeah. so we should so we should all go we should all go and do that yeah um but yes some people generally are just kind of unluckier and yeah. you know are more susceptible than to, to gain weight than others but you just have to find what works you you know i get lots of people say to me oh but i hate doing cardio you know to lose weight well don't do it then um you know you can lose weight and not do cardio but you've just got to be really 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 on the button with the calories if you want to eat a bit more you're going to have to go into some cardio and burn it off so it's all down to personal preference really but you have to find something that works for you not just that works um, find something enjoyable yeah that's amazing and we have quite we do eat quite well but i am partial to the odd takeaway curry i've got to be honest um i didn't but, know that by the way it was a, it was a wild guess no uh, yeah yeah what can you tell by the cheeks <laughs> but um <laughs> just because people try- just because do you know everyone does it because everyone does it as well yeah. but you know what if you're gonna have one go and have one and enjoy it and don't feel guilty about don't it but you know have on a saturday night make sure the first thing you do sunday morning is you know you should do a good training session it's all anything that you measure you know what gets measured gets managed that's absolutely fine. But yeah. if you're going to start doing it week in, week out, you know, that's thousands of calories. You're making life hard for yourself. You know, you, you're not going to, you cannot out-train a bad diet. Yeah, so true. That's you can't do it. Then. So that, that brings me to say, do you know one thing that's always really annoyed me? So, so I grew up a uh, single parent household with my you, mom. You've, you've only got one. I've got hundreds. Let's get my list. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so no, number up, 674 things yeah, that annoy me yeah we'll traffic. go through them yeah. we'll go through them so i grew <laughs> yeah. up single parent household you know mum was uh, on benefits didn't have a lot of money she was by herself four children i was the eldest and so my diet growing up you know mum would make like spaghetti bolognese chili con carne Ooh, but yeah. it was always on a budget one thing that's always really pissed me off is that good food seems to be expensive and bad foods they make cheap What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, do you know, the, there are a number of reasons for it. I think it's generally because carbs are cheap and protein is expensive, generally. So, um, and the carbs are all the things that are kind of the stodgy stuff that's easy to fill up on. So, you know, pasta, rice, potatoes, 
you know, things like that. And if people are buying on a budget, and especially depending on what you're buying or where you're buying it from, you know, if you are buying bags of frozen stuff, again, it is going to be that kind of potato-y, carby type stuff, like I said, just because it, it's cheap. Um, I mean, there's you know, without, without sort of boring people sort of too much with, with, with the science, some people are more susceptible to carbs than others. I'm generally better on a sort of a lower carb, higher protein, higher fat diet. Some people are better on, um, you know, higher carb diet. You'd have to sort of find what works for you, but yeah, generally the, the healthy uh, stuff that's better for you tends to be protein based foods like, you know, fish and chicken and meats, things like that. And it just tends to be sort of more expensive um, but you know, that said, I can think of plenty of other stuff that's, you know, again, relative, I think fruit and vegetables are relatively in, inexpensive yeah. and, you know, and, and again, you, it amazes me with uh, proteins and meats, you know, how much they, they vary. I buy my chicken from, um, M and S and it's fantastic quality. Um, yeah. other supermarkets are available. Um, <laughs> and, but you know, but I, but for instance, I, I've got sort of, um, I'm, I'm in Stratford, so I'm a bit limited with what I've got around me, but the, the Marks and Spencer's chicken, I find is the same price as my local butchers, like near the garden center, which generally is crap. Um, it's the same price and it's so much better quality. Um, you just have to kind of learn where to get it from. Prior to that, I was yeah. buying my um, chicken from Waitrose, you know, which again was kind of pretty expensive for what it was, to be perfectly honest. So you do have to shop around. And like most things, you know, not all meat is sort of created equal. So I'm quite lucky I live next door to a farm. So I can get, um, you know, they've got uh, lamb and um, sheep and pigs and, and whatever. So I tend to get quite a lot of meat from the farm. Just so I know where it's come from and it's nice quality. Um, and, it, you know, and, and it's not as expensive. So try and be a bit responsible where stuff comes from. Um, you want kind of good quality meat and good cuts of meat. You don't really want cheap and processed meat, yeah. to be honest. You're better off eating better food and maybe less of it. Um, but, you know, things like as well, oats are really cheap and oats are really good for you. Um, so yeah, you know, could you, could you eat, you know, to eat healthier? Is it generally more expensive? Yes, it probably is. But I think armed with a bit of knowledge, you'd be surprised, you know, yeah. what, what you can get. Cause I mean, I look at a lot of processed and ready meals and stuff and I'm, I'm, well, sometimes I'm amazed again at what they cost and the fact people can afford them. But also I'm horrified at how cheap a lot of it is. Do you remember when there was the, um, the horse meat scandal? Do you remember the horse meat scandal yeah. probably about 10 years ago? If that, um, and people were buying like, you know, I wouldn't say which supermarket it was from, but I think all the big supermarkets were doing it. Um, and they were buying frozen meals and, you know, they thought it was, it was beef and it wasn't, it was horse, um, which actually is relatively good quality meat, but, you know, I wouldn't want to eat one. Um, but, you know, the CEO of one of the supermarkets came out and said, you know, well, this particular lasagna was 99 pence, you know, at retail. What do people think was in it? Fill it steak. You know, so some of the, some of the stuff with food, I am very, very, very suspicious if it's too cheap. Yeah, you know, I, agree. I really am. And I think education, um, people's education is better now. Ever since Jamie Oliver cut out the turkey Twizzlers, which I have to say, I used to love when I was a kid. Ever since all of that came out, I think people realised some frozen chickens injected with water to make it heavier. And yeah, 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 um, yeah. And yeah. People are, I mean, we get our meat from a butcher. We try to be meatless and mainly um, veg and fish as much as we can. So we don't eat badly yeah. per se, but I just think about my education now as a parent compared to what I think 
you know, when I was younger, so I'm nearly 31. So let's say maybe 20 years ago, the education was different. People did just go and buy frozen meat. And I still find it shocking when people have barbecues and please don't tell me if this is, please don't have a go if, if anyone you know does this, but you know when they buy like the, the cheap sausages in the packet, like I can't remember yeah. the last time I ate one of that, but we don't know what, what crap's in that, right? So why would no. you want that in your body? That's what, that's what I find scary. And this, this, I mean, now I just, I mean, you can get like, you can make your own, but you, if you, if you get, and you know, a good butcher's worth the weight in gold, because if you can find out where things are coming from, and again, uh, you know, and you can, um, I think having that sort of responsibly sourcing food is, um, you know, is, is, is quite important to me, just knowing that, that that's sort of the, the chain that it's, it's come along. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want sort of the, certainly don't want, you know, the, the cheapest food. I want, you know, good quality food for a fair price. Um, but sound about, you know, when you were growing up and the things that, you know, your mom would sort of put on the table, um, I, I had sort of a, a fairly, um, uh, my background, you know, was fairly humble background in the sense of mom didn't work, she had osteoporosis, my dad did work. He was extremely poorly paid. He was a heavy goods vehicle mechanic, worked very long hours for very little money. So we never had an abundance of money. Mom always cooked and put fresh food on the table. But, you know, we didn't have crisps and chocolate and all that sort of stuff because we couldn't afford them. So we, we'd get it at Christmas and probably a bit at Easter and that was it. And I remember you know, when the, the Thursday night shopping first started, the late night shopping, if you, you wouldn't be quite old enough that on Thursday night, you know, we'd go to like the big Tesco at Five Ways and do like the weekly shop or the fortnightly yeah. shop, you know, and they, we'd get like one three litre bottle of lemonade and that would have to last us for, you know, a week or two weeks. And I would sit and I would drink the entire bottle that night because it was such a novelty. Yeah. Um, just because I just, just, I just keep drinking it. But that was it. And it was gone for the week or for the fortnight. Nowadays, it does surprise me when people say that they don't have um, any money or, uh, you know, they can't afford to eat healthily. But you look at the cupboards and you think, well, I wouldn't buy that. I wouldn't buy that. Yeah. I wouldn't buy that. I wouldn't buy that. If you take a lot of the, the crap and snacky stuff out, um, you know, it does give you more to play with. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I just think, uh, oh my God, you know, if you have like, I used to have, um, uh, as a kid, I drank a lot of milk and I'd like a, you know, a glass of milk, a couple of eggs you know, and some bread to have like the soldiers and you've had quite a good meal. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, it wouldn't be an expensive meal. Soldiers. Yeah. They're always a winner. Yeah. Always. Oh, well, thanks for that. We kind of went off on a tangent, but whatever. We spoke about food. Love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, um, no problem. So my next question was, you're obviously motivated. You're motivated to keep fit. You're motivated in business. By the way, congratulations to you and your wife. Smashed it in the entrepreneurial space. Um, what keeps you focused and motivated? What's your why? I, gee, I get asked this a lot. I don't know. Actually, I just, I'm just one of these. Most, you know, it's weird. I, I, I'm, um, I'm inherently really lazy, <laughs> and a lot of a lot of people really struggle to believe that. That if I can be left to do nothing, I would easily do nothing. I mean, we sold our last business, and I don't think I left the house for about three weeks. I know I barely got dressed for three weeks. I'm just one of these people that's very all or nothing. So if I'm going to do nothing, then I will literally, I will do nothing. Uh, but otherwise, I'm just kind of like 100 miles an hour. And I, I, the way I generally answer this is, um, you know, I mean, I don't, I want to, we're not here for long. So I want to make the most of uh, being here and the opportunities that we've got. And I think we're so fortunate at the moment to have all these tailwinds and um, we're, we're lucky we're in health and fitness, which is, you know, fairly robust, fairly recession proof. And even through, you know, what we're going through now, um, obviously, you know, 
with there's been a downturn in trading, but people want to eat healthily, get back to the gym and exercise. And I'm kind of in that, so I feel really fortunate to you know to, to be uh, doing that. Maybe that won't always be the case, so I don't want to blow this moment in time when we can create something super special. Um, and I, I don't want to let the team down. You know, we, we employ sort of 62 people, I think, now. Um, and, you know, they've all got cars and mortgages and loans. And, you know, they look to me to make good decisions. I don't want to let them down. And, you know, they're all part of something special as well. We've got private equity backers with uh, in the name of Lion Capital. And again, really well with Lyndon that owns Lion. And again, you know, he's invested a lot of time and money in us. Um, and he's got his investors. So again, I don't want to let him down. So I think it's just, it's probably the steam of just not wanting to let people down, I think, to be honest, which is quite good. Because if all those people weren't there, you're right, I probably wouldn't be doing it. Because I don't really, I don't do it for me. Yeah. Um, but it's probably just more for others. And I don't let consumers down. Um, I think, you know, we've got a responsibility to make really good product that they enjoy. And it's so humbling when we see ourselves on supermarket shelves and people raving about it and things pop up and I'll, you know, give you some examples. My, my sales director, for instance, who's been with us a year, he was the former managing director at Cadbury's. So to be the MD of Cadbury's for, you know, 20 years and then now he works at Grenada as like sales director, um, start to think of some of these people who put the trust in me and the brand, you know, and it's, I don't want to let them down. Um, but, you know, having product in Costa Coffee, you know, we always joke about the fact he was at Cadbury's for 20 years and they, they never put a Cadbury's chocolate bar in a Costa Coffee. Um, but we've done it. So just the things that, you know, say Cadbury's hadn't done in 100 years, you know, we, we've done in, in a matter of, um, you know, a handful of years. So I like to think, you know, what else, what else is out there? Yeah. Um, and I, I always wanted to do... For instance, um, Virgin and Richard Branson have always been like a, you know, a real halo brand, okay. an entrepreneur to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they just are if you're in business, um, yeah. you know, been in business for 50 years. And then I always wanted to meet Richard and then met Richard multiple times through um, his, uh, through the Virgin Fast Track 100, which we've been in six times in a row now, um, which is kind of pretty unheard of. And then working with Virgin Unite, some amazing things they do, and then going out to Necker Island and going out to Ulasaba, the game reserve out there, and seeing the work that Virgin do out there. There's just all these things. And, and honestly, it's like a roller coaster, and it just kind of it seems to be there's obviously lots of ups and downs, but generally, there's so much amazing stuff happening. You, you know, we're just, I'm just enjoying it really and tr- trying to let it sink in. Yeah. And, you know, one day I'll probably stop and pinch myself. Um, yeah, that's probably why I do it. While you're talking, because I'm like, wow, Necker Island, wow, this, wow, that. Oh, that was awesome. We were were quite lucky to go there as well in the sense that Barack Obama had just left. So Barack had had Richard's main, the main room there, the master bedroom on there. So he then let uh, Jules and I stay in there. So we didn't just stay in Necker, we stayed at Richard's room on Necker. Um, And uh, after that, I think Elon Musk went out to stay with him. So we were... I was sandwiched in between Barack and Elon. Wow. Those moments, <laughs> um, like keep, so- keeping it real, keeping it real, honestly, those <laughs> moments, like when you started so humbly with 500 pounds and, and you've been through ups and downs and you went down to 27 pounds, do you ever have, like, or does your wife ever have those? Because I've had moments where I've cried because I've done something really good and like, or, you know, a big deal's come in or something and I've got so 
overwhelmed by it. I think if I was in Necker Island and Richard let me stay in his room, which I'm sure is going to happen soon, hopefully, God willing. Obviously, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, sure the, probably, I'm sure the invite's in the post it's probably yeah delayed. you can hook me up but I'm sure the uh the whole time I was there I'll probably just cry I'd be so you know I think when you come from humble beginnings how do you can how do you manage that you know or have you just become accustomed to it now no I mean I, I'm not accustomed to it and I hope I never become accustomed to it but I think you you have to you know I mean definitely the higher the high the lower the low and that's one of the biggest highs I can remember they're always such a whirlwind and there's always so many amazing people there. Um, I mean, you've said before, you know, be, being humble and grounded is fairly important, you know, definitely to us. And I think, you know, we, we don't, we, we just, we're just us. So we just work and we're building something and I don't, you know, we, we have our moments, but you know, we try not to let things go to our heads. And I think when you do go somewhere like Necker, you meet people then who we feel, you know, we don't consider ourselves successful. So you meet people who we would consider to be successful um, and people do amazing things, and, you know, and not, not through sort of the acquisition of wealth. I mean, there was a, there was a guy there last time um, we were on NECA and um, he created like sort of nuclear fission or something like that in his parents' basement. And he was like 15 years old and like, <laughs> he's just like an absolute utter genius. And I think he was 17 at the time. And, he, and, and you just meet loads of amazing people that do incredible things. And he just developed this new kind of material that we're going to use in mobile phones. And he, he, you know, it was worth a fortune and he just gave it away for free because it was the right thing to do. And that you just meet these just incredible people, selfless people. And I, and I think one thing that, um, we always try to do and I would advise anyone to do is whoever they may be as well and whatever they may, be, they may do always try and surround yourself with amazing people just inspirational people and I've, I've got friends who are billionaires and I've got friends who are bin men and um, you know I've got friends who've got 10 kids and friends who've got no kids and, and, and just just amazing but I've got lots of family and friends in the military um, that you know that, that do amazing things and I think just surround yourself with just positive yeah. inspirational nice people and I think if you do that you know you that that's that's one of the most productive things you can ever do if you've just got negative friends or negative family friends around you just get rid of them and just get new ones yeah. um, you know you don't want that so I'd, I'd urge anyone to do that yeah i love that okay so that moves me on to the next question that we've been asked so how would you handle or how have you handled adversity and doubt uh particularly with there being other products on the market so you already mentioned that there were already protein bars out there you mentioned that you started with 500 at one point you're at 27 pounds so when you've been i mean i'm, I'm moving it away from positivity now to negativity mm -hmm. but when you've been in those in those dark places you know and, and we've all been there tribunals mm. i've had tribunals i've had hmrc investigate you know you have that when mm. you're an entrepreneur how do you i mean obviously you and your wife are a strong unit but how do you get out of that yeah i mean i had a hmrc investigation as well about uh, about 10 years ago so annoying. one of the hardest things are oh, one of the hardest things i've ever been through it was all done and dusted in about six months actually and got a long story short they kind of made a mistake but it didn't make me feel any better for six months they dragged That's me through it yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we've been through lots of adversity. At one stage, we thought we'd probably lost the house. So Jules and I had a conversation about what we would do if we lost the house. And, and even then, I think as long as you protect the downside and you have a conversation and you know what the worst is that can happen, you know, you can manage it. We, the worst thing you can do is kind of bury your head in the sand and do nothing. So we deliberately had no kids. And 
throughout all into Grenade. So if we were awake, you know, we were working. I mean, we still are, to be fair, but I'm, I'm talking about, you know, the really early days. So um, we didn't have any distractions of, of the family or kids or anything like that. We could be kind of quite, uh, quite selfish in the sense that we just built the business. Um, but we just said, you know, if we lost the house, as long as we're together, if we end up in a, you know, a one bedroom bed sit somewhere in Birmingham, fine, we'll just do it all again. We're the type of people would be out just digging holes in the ground for a tenner of the day, a tenner yeah. a day, because it, it, it'd be 10 quid that we didn't have at the start of the day. And yeah. I don't know if that's a generational thing or that's just us, but people just can't do that now. There seems to be, I don't know what moan about this generation, but certainly generationally I've noticed that there's a much bigger sense of entitlement yeah. um, with that shadow of a doubt. But, you know, my family worked really, really hard and got nowhere. So I decided I was going to work really hard, but hopefully I'll get somewhere. So I've always had that um, nagging in, in, in the back of my mind. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Just hustle. I was hustling when I was at school when I was 11. Um, and I think you're either born with that or you're not. Um, in terms of managing adversity, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's dark days. Everyone's had it with this COVID situation where the, you know, the news is just negative 24 seven, but yeah. I just want to stop watching it. Uh, you know, there's, I, don't they're not it. I can't just don't watch it. They're not coming up with anything new. They've got no idea. It's everyone's responsibility now to kind of find their own way out of it for them and their family and just use some common sense. It's probably that simple. And just, you know, don't go running around London licking door handles if you can help it. Um, you know, things like that. So, um, it's, it's up to each one of us, you know, to manage, manage that negativity. Um, but I think, you know, it's fine to realize that you have good and bad days. You yes. can't be absolutely flat out, you know, all the time. Some days you're just not feeling it. That's absolutely fine. If you, you know, it goes on to day two and day three and day four into a week, into a month, and yeah, there's probably a problem. But it's fine to just, you know, don't, don't beat yourself up because you're not having a, a, a good day oh. for whatever reason. I love this. It's perfectly I, normal. Yeah, I mentor quite a few people and I've got a couple that are in hospitality and they've, they've been really up and down and that's exactly what I've been saying. Don't beat yourself up just because you're feeling down. That's okay, but like you said, mental health awareness, etc. Mm. And that's another thing actually. So I'm quite a big advocate for mental health, especially what happened with uh, Caroline Flack recently. I did a big post. I got uh, a lot of comments. Also, I have postnatal anxiety and post-traumatic stress after I had my first child. She's nearly six. So I speak a lot about mental health and I definitely know for a fact that when I'm feeling low, like two days ago I was, and I got up, I got my, my gear on, my shorts, my top, my t-shirt, and I took my six-year-old out and we just walked. We just kept walking and walking and walking and I had my bottle of water. So do you think, especially entrepreneurs, I think, manage mental health and adversity because they put health and wealth they coincide. So I think a lot of entrepreneurs and successful people I know, they manage to keep balance because they do work out or they do focus on their fitness and their health. So they come together. Do you think that's helped you because you are active and you are healthy? That helps you overcome these things. I mean, yeah, you have to, you know, I, I started training when I was like 13, 14 years old and just got hooked and I'll, I'll train my whole life. But I found a training that I enjoyed. You know, I've never been interested in rugby, football, cricket, any of that traditional stuff. So I, I went to the gym and started weight training and also because no one else was doing it. I think entrepreneurs are probably the worst people to ask when it comes to work-life balance, especially me, because generally we probably don't normally have it. I think if you wanted to probably have normal work-life balance, you just go and get a job. Um, then you know, then work your set hours and then have the evenings and weekends off or whatever, and just have a 
a normal regular life and you know I certainly don't do that and I guess you don't do that so I suppose entrepreneurs are probably a, a different a different breed uh, I've actually ironically I'm just conscious well, I didn't answer your last question fully so I'll come back to that in a second but um the this whole coronavirus situation actually has really helped me because uh, and, and probably helped quite a few people in the sense that prior to um you know sort of first of april pretty much you know we've got our private equity investors so we've always got our numbers and our targets that we want to hit and things that we want to do and we hold ourselves accountable and you know we hit all of our q1 numbers march was the best month that we've ever had and then lockdown happened and all the shops are shut and then obviously april was not going to be the best month we ever had but what's the point of beating ourselves up about it because i can't make the shops reopen there's not much else i can do so actually i found myself more relaxed and less anxious in this situation whereas everyone's kind of gone the other way and they're really worried you think actually well a lot of this is out of my control so that's yeah. absolutely fine whereas actually january february early march was all within my control so if i mess it up it's all on me whereas now you're in kind of firefight mode so for grenade which is 10 years old it now feels like a startup again which actually i quite enjoy because it feels familiar because i like startups so it's a match because again it, it gets the hustle back as you build a business up to you know 100 million 200 million it's kind of less about startup and more about day-to-day finances and other stuff which you just find less interesting so i'm kind of really enjoying the situation that we're in. um just consciously asking the previous question about managing competition and, and what we do there and good brands will just be extensions of their founders um and of their owners and founders should always gravitate towards what they enjoy you know i liked weight training and i like military stuff so i ended up with a military themed <laughs> sports nutrition brand um but that's the same you know if you the guys that founded red bull like motor racing so when gravitates towards formula one so you'll you know you'll do things you enjoy um i wouldn't want to compete with jules and i because we're just so formidable at just working and being having that laser-like focus and we enjoy it so i talk a lot about consistency in business and people not being able to work that hard for that long she get burnt out i could do this for the next 30 years uh, you know i think so if someone's going to compete with that and every brand copies us but if they want to copy us for the next 30 years carry on um so we just do our own thing and we always say that you know we do it our way or no one else's so if we want to go and do something that's right for us we'll go and do it and if everyone decides you know to, to, to copy that but grenade is really such an uncopyable brand both because we've got 200 trademarks design marks and patents but just the look and feel is so distinctive and it's kind of set up to be almost fairly polarizing you know we would prefer people to love us but if they hate us it's absolutely fine um people always you know fans always worry about consumers loving their brands they don't have to love your brand they can hate your brand they just have to have an opinion on your brand the worst brands are the ones that people have no opinion on yeah um, hallelujah you know, so that's if, true yeah so if i just sort of yeah if i just pick i said you know what what do you think of that and you're, well, just, there's, there's nothing you can think oh, of that because there's, 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 there's nothing but but you know 30 seconds time you'll have forgotten all about that and who cares if that was something you know particularly um interesting or disinteresting to you you'd remember it so uh, and, I, and i and i think you know there's one of the best possible um assets we've had with uh, grenade and it actually took me years to realize this as well with with founders and entrepreneurs is just having a personality yeah because if it's between you know when jules and i used to say turn up at our tesco meetings or holland and meetings they'd say we've been looking forward to this all day because you know we'd turn up and 
you know, we wouldn't, we didn't have like, you know, suit and tie on, you know, we'd turn up in sort of like our training Not stuff. With, yeah. We'd got, we got grenades and we got samples from trying to get, we'd start our meeting, go try that, you know, within 20 minutes, everyone's off their tits. Um, you know, so they, they'd remember a meeting with Alan Jules, that you know, the next brand that comes along, just, you know, from, with Mr. Corporate from, you know, Mr. Um, big pharmaceutical brand, who cares? Um, you know, so that definitely did get us and does get us uh, a long way. Kind of gets harder. <laughs> you know, so there's only so many favours you can pull now. But I think generally people like doing stuff with people if they, they like and if you can be quite likeable. Um, that, that does go a long way, definitely. Have you had uh, quite a, a bit of, well, in the past, I guess, negativity about the term grenade, maybe the words, the meaning, or the fact yeah. that maybe it's more male male focused and female yeah. yeah what kind of it's, um it's rarer now but in the early days absolutely i mean even the guys that made the grenade uh, bottles for us you know checked with trading stands to see if they would be allowed to make something that looked like a toy grenade um this was as well you know 2010 so it was you know it wasn't a million miles there was still a lot more stuff going on then with iran and iraq and help for heroes and all this but the first year that we traded you know we gave 10 percent of our profits to help for heroes because we, we, we like supporting military charities um trading standards just said well actually there's no difference it's like making a child's toy it's no different they actually compared it to a water pistol um that's that's one reason why if you've seen the grenade bottle it's got orange font on it the reason the font is orange because if you were to have like an imitation toy or firearm something like that they tend to put bright parts on them so that they don't look realistic and that's actually why we put the arm orange uh, the grenade arm as being orange just so again it looked didn't look like a real grenade um but yeah, absolutely yeah. i mean people it's funny actually we had someone complain via a retailer and they said that they were going to complain to war child or, uh, which is a charity of which we were fundraising for them at the time so i said you're very welcome to complain but they take the money off us so <laughs> i'm not sure they'll care yeah. um then they then they said about the fact oh you know your grenades kill people i was like no grenade they said there's because they were trying to compare it to like IEDs and we're like, no, IEDs kill people. We haven't killed anyone. It's a plastic bottle. And I said, actually, you know, you can, knives kill people and you can go and buy knives and I've got knives in my drawer at home as, as has everyone. Yeah. And you always, you always get people who kind of get offended on behalf of everyone else. But yeah, 99.99% of people generally loved it. You'd always get the odd twat that would pop who'd got an opinion. Um, and, you know, you still do, but it's, it's really rare now. And like I said, I think because of how we are, I mean, you know, we, we don't have bleat on about it, but, you know, we've given 300,000 drinks and bars to the NHS over the last six weeks, wow. um, you know, at, at a time where most businesses are struggling. And, you know, it's much easier not to give stuff away um, that we could have easily sold, but it was the right thing to do. So I think because, you know, I hopefully conduct myself in a way that I'd, you know, be, be proud uh, be proud of and grenade wants to do the same because it's an extension of me if people want to have a go at us for giving stuff to the nhs carry on and you know sometimes people do but there's just so many kind of sad lonely people out there uh, you know if they want to do that that's sort of up to them but yeah. i've always wanted to make money but make money with a conscience so um yeah you know you, you'd get the odd thing pop up in the us with with the brand name but like i said overall people tend to to love it um like i said it's just people have to have an opinion 
Yeah. So I'm, I'm th- I don't know. Have you ever watched The Apprentice? Do you watch The Apprentice? I haven't watched it for years because it frustrates yeah. the life out of me because I kind of know how business works and know how TV works. We're not that so stupid. Sort of... We're not that stupid on the show, I promise. We're yeah, not... I know, I know. And so it's obviously very carefully edited, but yeah. we were watching kind of in the early days of Grenade, to be fair. Um, but I, it's a bit like Dragons then. And I just kind of watching it going, oh, you, that's never worth it. I kind of get frustrated. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and it, it's weird. It feels a bit like work to me. So I, I try and watch stuff that just like, just can just wash over me. Yeah. Whereas at night, I don't want to be like watching TV at night because we used yeah, to love yeah. The Apprentice. Yeah. I don't want to sit there and I'm like, like going, no, no, don't do that. Yeah. Thinking of trademarks and slogans and then watching yeah. them cock it up. Well, it's that's just, what just, just annoys me. Yeah, when you were just talking about your brand, because I've always thought that I've been really good at creating brands, you know? And then you go on a show like The Apprentice and you've got Billionaire Lord Sugar basically tearing you to shreds um, yeah. for anything that you come up with. Uh, so ha- has there ever been a time when you've gone to a retailer, maybe in boardroom Lord Sugar style, and they've said, you know, your idea, no, or the word grenade, ridiculous for protein bars or this. And how did you deal with that? Did you kick off? Did you just walk out with your tail between but, your legs? No, I've never, I've always been pretty positive. The, 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 some of the meetings that spring to mind are in the US, where you generally never have a bad meeting in the US. But in a way, I'd rather you did, because I think, I don't know if it's just because I'm hard to say no to, <laughs> or because they, they, you know, don't want to say what they really feel or something. But, you know, in, we go to meetings in the US and we have an amazing meeting and you come back home and you're chasing and chasing and chasing and they just, they never pop back up. I'd rather they just said, um, actually, we think your idea is shit. <laughs> we oh, don't want it. I, I, a Lord not Sh- really, that, but no, but I, like I said, I, I would rather have that. You know where you stand. I did have a, a protein bar buyer once pop up in the US. This was only a couple of years ago. And um, she was the protein bar buyer for a big retailer. Uh, I won't say which one, but she'd been in this job for like 20 years. She'd been in this job forever. And I know we've got the best tasting protein bars in the world. I just know that. And, and certainly compared to a lot of American tasting protein bars. So I'm there with all of our stuff, you know, and one thing we would win on is taste. And we've got like 12 different bars. So there'll be one that you would like. Um, so anyway, she, she came in and, uh, I said, oh, you know, feel free to try anything. I'm talking, I'm saying, you know, with the number one selling chocolate bar and blah, blah, blah. Um, and you know, we actually do quite well in the U S so I was, uh, I was, I was expecting her to be a little bit more positive. And I said, oh, should I, I won't try anything. Should I, should I, I don't like protein bars. I don't eat them. So, and she refused to kind of try anything, which is her prerogative, but you think you're the protein bar buyer. Perhaps, so yeah, <laughs> a bit weird. Um, so I said, well, do you want me asking them how you select bars for your set if you don't ever try anything? And she went, I'll give them to my 12-year-old son to try. So I was oh. like, and I, ju- I just said, is he here? <laughs> just kind of looked around, just thinking, well, basically then, just, you know, let this do a deal with your son. Um, uh, but I mean, again, how lazy is that to walk up to someone who's flown, you know, halfway around the world to do a presentation and then just, not just, you know, I don't want to try your stuff, but I hate all of this stuff. I mean. I can't imagine that happening here. Imagine like going to the ice cream bar in the UK and they go, I hate ice cream. <laughs> and you just think, you've got to be joking. I mean, I know that you don't get to be in charge of categories that you like, but you'd make an effort, wouldn't you? It's like, yeah. it's like needing women's hair care, you know, just think, you know, why, why would you do that, that category? But yeah. again, maybe retailers aren't brilliant at putting the best buyers in place for the best categories. Yeah. So that one sort of springs to mind. And yeah, they didn't list us. Yeah. Um, 
you know. But I again, they tend to sort of... There. I wonder if she's still there on the protein bar section. Probably. And I can guarantee that category is dying. And they'll all be sitting around scratching their heads as to why it's losing money and doing badly. And they'll be going, yeah, we can't work it out. We can't work it out. Yeah, we've got a buyer that hates the category. And yeah, yeah, basically run by a 12-year-old son. He's he's probably ripped. 14 now. Yeah. yeah he's shredded, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we can't work out why this category is not doing well. Um, oh, it's Stuff like that absolutely frustrates the life out of me. And then they wonder why Amazon overtakes them. And they go, oh, yeah, we, well, it's because they're cheap. It's not because they're cheap. It's because they're not idiots. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is, this is good. So this is like authentic. So, I mean, you don't have to answer this, but you did say nothing was off limits. Okay. Who, <clears throat> care to share, has been the most, what word shall I say, difficult maybe entrepreneur or celebrity that you've ever met? Most difficult. Or potential. Oh, that's a good one. Just an arsehole. <laughs> do, do you know what? I, that, that's way too strong a word. I think, I, and I, I, would, I would say potentially Ooh. offish slash rude. You're not going to like this, but it was actually Lord Sugar. Was <laughs> it? It's the, it's the only one I can think oh, of. And I, really? I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Yeah, I'll tell you why. So, um, I don't think that Lord Sugar's private pilot. He's got, I think he might have, his license might have lapsed now because he didn't get that heart bypass. But oh. basically, he, yeah, he's a pilot. He's got an aircraft called the Cirrus, which I also fly. So, I'm, I went to the Isle of Wight somewhere. Uh, I think it was Benbridge, Benbridge or Sandown in the Isle of Wight. And I was with one of my instructors and I bought this aircraft and we go off flying at the weekend and I'm just like building up my hours and my confidence. And um, we uh, we land and a couple of, and I bumped into actually Lord Sugar a few times flying around in these series. So I bumped into him in, uh, in, in France as well. And there's like another series, we land, there's another series, a few sort of planes down. And Tim, I was with, said, oh, that's, uh, that's Lord Sugar's plane. And it's got quite a distinctive registration, which has got like LS at the end for Lord Sugar. And, um, and as we sort of walked past, he was coming the other way. And it was just, just through, and he would definitely, I mean, obviously I knew who he was. He would not know who, who I was. But the fact that we, you know, both Cirrus owners, quite a distinctive aircraft, They've only sold about 7,000 in the world. There's not a lot of people that own these planes. You just would kind of generally get just an approving nod. or just go, oh, nice, you have a nice day. You know, yeah. Just something. And I sort of said hello, and he was just like, Ugh. like that, or just oh. ignored me. And I just, and I actually turned to sort of Tim. I went, oh, was that, what was that about? And he went, oh, he's like that with everyone. He said, he's just jealous because your plane's newer than his. I was like, <laughs> really? But... So that, you know, that one, and that's kind of true. So, I mean, again, you, you know, catch someone on a, on, a, on a bad day. But I must admit, he doesn't have the best reputation for being friendly. Oh. Really. He, yeah. He doesn't have the best reputation. Yeah. I mean, I've been um, to ribs, so. <laughs> he's, the only, he's the only one I could sort of think of. And, and it, you know, it's a shame as well, because I don't know him. Um, and it, it's kind of a shame. And again, maybe the media have made that worse. It's like Gordon Ramsay and lots of people have got these very you know, outgoing personalities on TV. And you know that TV, they, they don't want to put you in a good light. They want to put you in, you know, the, the, in, you know, the strongest light to make you look one way or another, to make you look sort of real fruit loop, which isn't difficult with me anyway. Um, but, you know, so if they want to portray you a certain way and edit it a certain way, it's not difficult. And I must admit, you know, you could make anyone 
look pretty grumpy. You know, if you've got sort of people coming in, pitching stuff to you and you think it's shit and you've had a long day and you're tired, it's not difficult to kind of be maybe grumpy. But like, it is kind of odd that that's his persona. Yeah, maybe he's just like, well, you know what? I'm like it on TV. I'll just be like it in real life now. It's easier. If I'm just grumpy all the time, then, you know. Oh, brilliant. Most, you know most people I know who are well-known, are really well-known, are just awesome. They're just... They're just, you know, they're always awesome around here. We have, you know, quite a few people around the house and train and, you know, do my podcast. And like I said, you know, quite a few well-known people. And um, mostly just, you know, absolutely fantastic. Just very down to earth, you know, very normal. And so they should be because, you know, some of these people are well-known just because they would be on TV. That doesn't make them, you know, they're not off curing cancer. They're not, you know, they're, they're, no, they're, no, they're no better than, than, than anyone else. It's funny um, that you so say I, that because this is a very humbling time now because celebrities almost are n not, you know, they can't go to any gigs. There's no Oscars. There's nothing, you know, celebrities now who we're looking up to are the doctors and the cancer cures and those types of people. So actually the word celebrity almost is, is like null and void at the minute, isn't it? So it's going to take some yeah. Come back up. I mean, we definitely need actors and musicians and talented people. You know, I don't necessarily think we need sort of celebrities unless they can gain that status by doing something of, of note. That's you know, I must admit, you know, with no disrespect to the, you know, the, the sort of the, the Apprentice reality stars, which again, but a lot of the other, you know, newer Love Island type reality stars, it's, it's kind of that, yeah, it's a bit sort of frustrating, I think, some of the, you know, celebrity type yeah, status they get for not doing an awful lot. I don't, I don't quite understand that. No, when, when you see, I mean, the only reason I ever, and, and all of us that went on The Apprentice all had businesses, we, we're in business, yeah. we wanted investment, especially my year. I don't know what the other years want to do, but my year, we were all there because we literally wanted that investment. I completely agree with you. It's very frustrating. I mean, I'll be honest, keeping it real, I thought I'd come off The Apprentice and all of a sudden I'm going to have millions of followers, everyone's going to know who I am. It doesn't happen like that on BBC or definitely didn't happen like no. that on The Apprentice. But Love Islanders come off and they've got four million followers and bikinis this and you know it can be frustrating when you're an entrepreneur to watch people like that not really doing much you know. It's, then, it's a different time though. I suspect you were one of the last years where I think people went out like you said, they you, what they wanted to get investment and genuinely have Lord Sugar as a business partner. It was a business opportunity for you. There was a point when it crossed over and they stopped selecting people with some sort of business acumen and they just started selecting people that I think probably weren't that interested in business but just wanted to be on TV. Was there, was, there was a switch and that's when I stopped watching it. Yeah, no, I was quite recent but I do notice, I think our year was like a comeback, everybody on there. The year after, I think there were a lot of people trying to be, so I'm not the most recent, the one just before. So we were- You, you know why, I, you know why, so I apologise because I'm getting you mixed up with Ricky Martin, I'm doing a podcast with next week and he, ah. I think he won in 2012. That's why. So I've got, yeah. I've got 2012 in my head for you. See, so I definitely wouldn't have watched the year that you were on, uh, but I probably uh, would have watched Ricky's instead of 2012. That was probably about the last one I would have watched. But yeah, so you probably would have been around a load of people then that just wanted to be well-known. Some people, yeah. And still, even the year after, some, you know, still like that. But I've always just, I'm passionate about business, as I hope you can tell yeah. why I'm on here. I'm passionate about that. But do you find that 
because Sean, who won in my year, she's got a bikini range, swimwear range. And so a lot of the influencers, even if they have come off Love Island or, you know, whatever other program, they are good for influence of the brand. They get awareness out. Yeah. So do you find that even with Grenade, even if it frustrates you that these people have shot to fame that way, do they help your business in the fact that they've got this following? So, you know, it's good if they use the product. If it's not genuine, no. Um, I mean, first of all, I can't imagine anything worse than being famous. I would hate to be famous. I would like to be known and respected for being good at something, you know, in that business community. So most credible people in the UK in business will know Grenade and not know me personally, but I think go, wow, what a story through not one recession, but two recessions, you know, built a multi, um, you know, a 200 million pound brand or whatever with 500 quid and no debt um, just through hard work and, and kind of doing things they said couldn't be done. And we took on some of the biggest, best loved brands in the UK doing it. I'd love people to go, you know, God, what a job. I, I, I would then, yeah, I'd hate to go and do a reality TV show and just do something stupid on Big Brother and you're just known for the guy that talks to chickens or something like that and be famous <laughs> for that. You know, I would, I would kind of, I, I would hate that. Um, your point about... Do we use influencers? Um, we get a lot of spontaneous people sharing stuff, and a lot of consumer-generated content, which is great. In terms of people that we work with, until I think the last six months, we'd never paid anyone uh, to work with Grenade at all. Our marketing budget for that sort of thing was zero. So if people wanted to share it or use it and talk about it, that's absolutely fine. I can honestly tell you we, su we supply every well-known football club you can think of in the world, every well-known rugby club. We don't pay any of them anything, and they all ask every day. Um, but we make the best stuff, and it's informed sport. So if they want the best stuff for their team, and frankly, they're all multimillionaires, um, buy it. If not, great. Go and just, yeah, just buy me all of the shit. I just don't care. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that... Uh, the, the the genuine promotion, the authentic promotion, no matter who it is, is really, really helpful. And we've got people who've got, you know, five, six million followers. Um, they've promoted us and talked about us just because they love us, which is brilliant. And yes, we'll send them some clothing or send them some stuff. But again, a lot of the time, I just like sending people out and then people message me going, wow, I had your Easter egg. It was incredible or, or whatever. I don't think you have to just be throwing money at these people. I think if they want to genuinely talk about it, they will. And I think consumers see straight through it. To be perfectly honest, I think that's the absolute straight threat. I think if you have got a brand that you have to pay people to promote because they won't do it organically, then your, your brand probably isn't good enough, to be honest. Because all the best brands I can think of, it, it should happen fairly organically. Yes, you know, you'll pay some expenses, you'll pay for bits and bobs or some filming, or for, you'll pay for a scenario for something to happen. But you just, if you just solely rely on just throwing money at people, I'd say there's something not quite right, definitely, because people should want to work with you and want to love your stuff. And that's the very starting point for everyone that we work with. Um, and, you know, and we have huge Hollywood A-listers. Yes. Yeah. Is that you uh, 10 years in advice? What if you were just starting out right now and no one really knew about no. grenades? Yeah, no, that's always been the advice. Because to be honest, we never had the money to pay people to talk about us. So, and actually, when we did have the money to pay people to talk about us, we just didn't want to spend the money on that for the same reason, really. But I just don't think, I mean, one thing, I mean, I hate to kind of mention that, you know, the Kardashians, but, you know, I've got my sort of, you know, my Apple, um, my EarPod case, for instance, here. I just, I just don't like, you know, say going on to like a big 
influencer page and then going, oh, hi, look at this. I just love it. It's amazing. And I've, I've been paid to say it. And, you know, just think, oh, that actually makes me not want it. Uh, but yeah. I don't like being sold to. Yeah. I think a lot of the time, you know, if I had, um, you know, if I wanted a specific type of car, for instance, you know, I mean, I like Lamborghinis, but, you know, let's say that Manchester United were all driving around in free Lamborghinis. You wouldn't want uh, it. That wouldn't make me want one. Not at all. I, th- yeah. I don't want them. <laughs> because, again, I think, frankly, giving an expensive car to someone who can actually afford to buy it is the worst thing you can do for your brand. You know, if you've got gold and you want them to promote gold, you don't give them free gold. Um, so I just, like I said, it just comes back to doing it our way and, and on, you know, no one else is oh, really. I so it. I love I, I, Yeah. Well, I don't like being sold to. So I think it's back to that extension of um, founder. I hate people trying to sell me stuff, especially if I actually want it. It puts me off. So it's weird. Actually, you wouldn't want to use the word subtle with grenade. But we're kind of quite subtle. So, like, you know, marketing for us is jumping on an orange tank and driving around London. There's absolutely no call to action or any reason for anyone to sell or buy anything at all. We just like doing it. Awareness. So it's just because yeah. it's awareness. And everyone smiles. So, you know, we'll run the, and they'll be filming. And kind of, you know, it's grenade and we've got, we've got a grenade-shaped hot air balloon coming out soon. And I think stuff that we can kind of, you know, float past people's events and kind of hijack them for free, it just kind of feels a bit cheeky and a bit underdog-ish. And it's a bit like, you know, event owners might not quite like it, but it doesn't hurt them. And I think in a way, they'd probably find it quite comical. And consumers, you, you, can, you can sort of get away with quite a lot if you've got a bit of a cheeky brand. Um, so I'd rather do that sort of stuff than just overtly pay people to say stuff that probably isn't true. Yeah. So do you think that's been your main driver to your, through your marketing, getting your name out there, has been the shock factor maybe, something a bit different outside the box, not necessarily needing to have uh, high-profile influencers because you do wacky things that get a stir themselves? Yeah. yeah. It, just having overwhelming numbers of people that love the brand and recommend the brand. And you see, again, because our previous business was a distribution business, I, I relied on, you know, selling product not just once, but selling it over and over and over again, because I would have numbers hit from my suppliers. And that's when I very quickly realized that you only want the stuff that sells. Um, and, and again, I know I kind of invented sports nutrition in the UK in the sense that I was one of the very first people doing it. People weren't, I mean, all the big gyms weren't even there, you know, in the early 90s, in 1992 when I started. So I couldn't get people to buy supplements because no one knew what they were. So what I had to do was go into gyms, fill the shelves for free, go back the next week, and then they'd pay me for what they told. It was all sale and return. So I quickly learned that you want that stuff selling. So hence you had to have the best stuff, the best stuff resold, and the crap stuff didn't because with supplements, if they didn't do what they said they do, like, you know, pre-workout that you take pre-workout doesn't, didn't work. You're not buying it again. No, yeah. Um, you know, so quickly learn to focus on product that people could feel work, hence we, why we chose weight loss and pre-workouts as our first two products, because you'd have it and you'd know within 20 minutes of doing something. So there was no doubt that the stuff would, would be effective. And then people would buy that over and over and over again. And that's what builds a business. You can sell anything to anyone once. And there's lots of businesses set up to sell you something once. You know, I bought a defrosting plate yesterday off Instagram, which turned up, but I'm, I'm not buying another one. It's terrible. But, <laughs> you know, that company will just sell a million of those plates. They'll never sell another one to the crap. Just one time. Um, yeah. And then, 
yeah, exactly. It's a one-time hit, but I didn't want that sort of brand. Ironically, that's how most of my competitors back in the day were set up. They told me that they would just be selling something to someone once, a weight gainer. Oh, yeah, have that. You'll gain weight. Oh, I didn't gain weight. I'll go and find another consumer. So, but I, I learned really early, surely it's got to be better to keep existing customers happy yes. and keep on looking for new ones. But this was just how people did it, you know, certainly in that business, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. Right. Um, so the, the, the repeat sale and having consumers on side. And even now I get messages every day from people saying, I've used your product from day one, or, you know, I don't use it anymore because I don't train anymore, but it was amazing. You know, there's nothing you can do about that consumer that no longer trains and therefore no longer needs you potentially. But the fact they still love it and don't even use it, you know, is powerful. I mean, our resale rate's like 80 or percent, you know, over 80%. Wow. I can't imagine many brands that, the, you know, the repurchase rate's that high. Yeah. Um, well, I started... So, you know, we... Oh, you're sorry. Well, I was just going to say, so, you know, we, we don't have the budget to kind of keep chasing people around that we've kind of pissed off six months ago, basically. Because yeah. um, we do genuinely make the best stuff, so... Yeah, and it's your product sells itself. I started before... So, four years before The Apprentice, I started my cleaning business in 2014 with £20, and it was because my daughter was born unwell, and I used to go and clean houses and take her with me. And then we grew to 37 employees, and retaining customers for me was the biggest thing because you have people have a weekly clean yeah. and you need to make sure that every yeah. clean is good so that you keep that because yeah. I could go do the whole pitch, you know, oh yeah, we're great. We're eco-friendly with this, that and the other. And they could have one clean. That's hard. And yeah. And if it was a shit clean, I've lost them and I've just spent two hours of yeah. my time unpaid. So I had to make sure that the standard was good and, and quality control is good. And you're so right. I'm of that mindset. Like, why would you want to have a customer for one time and that same customer could be with you for the journey? You know, it's about the customer yeah. journey. And that's what I love about your brand that you're telling me about is that. I've never thought about this, actually, but we've got very similar businesses in the sense that... Um, they're actually incredibly personal and you rely and where I, I make product that people ingest so that, you know, they're putting it, it's not like clothes and they just wear, cause people wear anything to a certain extent, but uh, you know, they're putting it in their mouths, putting it in their bodies. They have to trust it. There's a whole layer of trust. You're letting people, people letting you into their homes. Yeah. So, you know, you, you're actually in their home. So it's incredibly personal. It's not you walking into their shop. Um, you know, you're, you're in their house. So really personal. And again, <coughs> excuse me. Um, where you've got, uh, you know, you've got to go and get those those cleaners who represent you and have to do a good job to your standard week in, week out. And they're only as good as their last clean. And that's really hard because I bet the amount of times that they let you down um, is difficult. So, you know, finding staffs incredibly hard. That is so um, And, you know, so that, that's, that's a tough business. That's yeah. a really tough, I've had no end of cleaners. It's a, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a tough business. Exactly. Because um, well, as well, it's one of those... Sorry. Like I was going to say, cleaning is one of those jobs as well that's kind of looks easy, but it's hard to do well. But I can do most things to a fairly competent standard, and I want someone that can do it better than I can. Yeah. That's the thing. Well, so I, after the show, actually, I decided to focus on building my personal brand. So the cleaning business, I just halted, um, you know, all the stuff on flexible contracts. So it hasn't been running for like the last nine months. And then with everything that's been going on, I thought, yeah, I'm going to pick it back up again, maybe next year. Um, but there's so many plans, you know, so many ways. And you're right. And the thing is, people that have a cleaner have really high standards. That's why they pay a cleaner yeah. in the first 
place. And then it's hard because it's yeah. that kind of industry where people that are working for you, they're not really passionate about it. You know, it's kind of like the protein bar woman that you said, they don't want, they don't care too much. They're just coming to earn their money. She didn't care about trying the protein bar. Yeah. It's just there, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, it's a difficult industry. Yeah. But I see mental people in it now, which is good. I've got a question for you because I've got a friend opening up a gym um, in Stamford. Okay. Right? Don't know if you know this neck of the woods, but Stamford, uh, Lincolnshire, Northamptonshire area. He's okay. opened the gym. Yeah. His question is, do Grenade work specifically with private gyms? Uh, private gyms as in sort of one-off locations? Yeah. Uh, not, not particularly. Uh, only because it's really to do with our... Well, it's to do with the uh, how many staff that we have. And... Um, you know, you can't sort of have one member of staff like for every one single gym, so to speak, but also to do with how a warehouse is set up because, um, you know, we are shipping out pallets and pallets and container loads of products every day and a gym's going to pop along and they're going to want, you know, five boxes of bars, mm. a couple of cases of drinks um, and just, yeah, just the, the volume's just not there. So he'd be better off. We deal with, um, I mean, we've got the Tropicana who are a, a, a wholesale distributor to the gym industry um, and Muscle Finesse again, same. He'd be better off speaking to one of those two because they are more set up to deal with those private gyms and he'll just get better service. It won't be cost any more than it would cost direct we just you'll just get a crap service office because we're rubbish at it in terms of dealing with relatively small orders yeah, um, but there's other companies like new products. oh yeah of course yes yeah. so in terms of selling our products absolutely sorry i misunderstood the question no. i thought selling our products absolutely yeah you just have to buy a distributor not direct from us oh. it's a bit like you know if, if we wanted some some baked beans now we just go to tesco and buy baked beans we don't go to heinz yeah, um, yeah, yeah. they absolutely sell us stuff yeah the, the, of course the more the merrier so oh, you know amazing. every gym shop Petrol station should have our stuff. So absolutely, I'll hook up afterwards, and I'll give you the contacts. Yeah, he'll be really uh, excited. He's, he's and, super um, excited. Yeah, there's a great company called Nutrivend as well who put vending machines in in gyms. Um, it's like anything you know, you just want to have you know the, the right vending machine in the wrong place won't do well, but the right vending machine in the right place would, would you know should do well. So yeah. yeah, he absolutely needs our stuff definitely. Amazing. Okay, so couple more questions what is the most rewarding thing about being your own boss oh i i, I don't like being told what to do generally so i think uh, it's quite a lonely place and remember i'm not strictly my own boss because i've got private equity partners so theoretically i do work for lion because they've got 60 percent of grenade um so i do have a boss i'm quite lucky in the sense that lyndon that owns lion gets it he's a great entrepreneur his own right um and uh, yeah, stuff that would normally be difficult conversations. I think are kind of easy conversations with Lyndon and I feel like the same thing. So quite lucky there. Um, I think, yeah, the, the best thing about being my own boss, um, it's a tricky one really. I mean, you can't, you can't get away with anything because if I, if I don't work, I'm only cheating myself. Um, but I, I, I guess everything I do every day is probably a step towards building my own goals and my own dream as opposed to working for someone else and perhaps helping them build theirs. That's probably the, the best thing. So if I decide I want to do something, I can actually proactively make a step towards that. Whereas, um, yeah, if I work for someone else, that, that wouldn't be the case. Yeah, brilliant. Was it a difficult decision? This is just me off the back of that question. Was mm. it a difficult decision to give up 60% of your business? Uh, yes, it was actually. And 
it was a tricky one actually because the deal that we did wasn't for the business that we're currently in. So when we did the Growth Point Capital deal for 35 million in 2014, Grenade was just a sports nutrition business. So the, that bar, which now has kind of you know gone ballistic and we've sold hundreds of millions, I hadn't invented. So the deal we did with Growth Point Capital was really a sports nutrition play where um, you know, protein and specialty products were, were, the, were the main business. And ironically, all of our biggest customers at that point um, have probably closed or, you know, gone bust. So um, GNC had 60 stores in the UK, all subsequently closed. Tesco Nutricenters, all closed. Bodybuilding.com, um, significantly smaller than it was. So, uh, yeah, we did a, a sports nutrition deal. Um, the bar then that I invented in sort of 2015 that was fundamental to the, the 2017 deal with, uh, with Lion Capital. But yeah, you know, we didn't do a deal where we basically sold sort of protein bars to, you know, to private equity. It was the, it was the sports nutrition stuff first. Um, so yeah, had, had we had developed the bar potentially a couple of years earlier, we probably never would have done, uh, done that first deal. Um, that's kind of a frustrating thing where you sort of sell shares in a brand, then subsequently invent something else for that brand, which does extremely well. But then you've got a much small, much smaller share of it. But that's just how the cookie grumbles. But as well, I'm 43, so you know there'll be other deals, other businesses, I'm sure. And you know, if you're just a serial entrepreneur, um, you know there'll be other deals. The, the other thing as well is uh, I don't, we don't have kids. So if I've got children, it probably becomes more important to maintain a bigger share of your brand because you might want them to inherit it or come into it. But actually. You know, if we never have kids, um, there's no point building a business that's hundreds of millions without selling it at some point because you then can't enjoy yeah. the, the, the fruits of your labor. Um, and this happened to a neighbor of mine five years ago, made 800 million, never got married, never had kids, died, and it all went to charity. Um, so nothing wrong with that. But uh, yeah, I, you know, there's, you, you have to decide really what you know what the end game is most people it's looking after their kids isn't it once the kids do well and see them grow up and have grandkids but that potentially won't be me okay so what does the future look like two questions i've got no i knew i knew you're gonna ask that i've got no idea um future look I, I, like for, for the business what does the future look like for you any other projects well it's kind of all the same thing at the moment um I, I guess, you know, we, we're having great fun. We're doing a lot of good stuff. I mean, we'll get to this coronavirus thing and just kind of keep building and keep building, hopefully, our iconic brand. Um, I guess at some point, someone monstrous is going to come in, some big chocolate manufacturer or something. It would be probably pretty much upset and they're going to have to buy us, I would have thought. Um, so I think that's probably fairly inevitable that someone comes in and, and, and you know, makes an offer for the brand that, you know, Lion and us collectively can't refuse. Um, then I guess they either will or they won't want me. I mean, the, the worst case scenario, I guess, is to be sort of shoehorned into a situation you don't like. So I would hate to be forced to stay if I wanted to leave. And likewise, uh, I'd hate to be forced to leave if I wanted to stay. So I, I would hope I'd get some kind of an option as a, as a brand ambassador where I'd, you know, I'd love to be able to still perhaps help with um, NPD to a point, 
Although again, would it make sense for me to go off and start another brand and do it all over again? You know, I don't know. Um, but someone might get quite nervous if I thought that you know I was going to go and do that because I wouldn't be the first entrepreneur to sell a business and then build it back up again after yeah. the non-competes expired. Um, you know, so so I, I don't know. As long as I'm traveling and having fun and doing amazing things and um, enjoying it and kind of happy and healthy. I'm exactly where I want to be. I'd hate to be stuck in a business somewhere and just hating it and just kind of on a, in a rat race and, um, you know, not traveling and doing things I want to do. But I guess, yeah, as, as time goes on, I'd love to have more time to be able to fly more, travel more, um, and, you know, do more things that aren't necessarily work related that I enjoy. And I'd like to do more for Virgin United and, uh, more charity stuff. I know it sounds a bit old hat, but, um, that's kind of quite, you know fulfilling and i do really enjoy the mentoring and i'm a mentor for virgin startup as well but i just don't have much time so there's there's filling your days is easy isn't it um yeah. you know in that respect so i would hope that when i'm 70 i'm not still looking at balance sheets and doing financial stuff and forecasts yeah. and worrying about currency and things like that because yeah that, those aren't the things that kind of float my boat yeah. um so yeah but that's probably two or three years away i suspect with a, with a grenade exit probably um is your wife still quite hands-on in the business no, so she stepped away as chief marketing officer um, last year, but she still does some consultancy. And then she's now an NED on several of the businesses, FMCG businesses. Uh, marketing's tough because it's really subjective and it's really hard to gauge what works. Um, and, and she was, you know, really very deeply embedded in that marketing role. I'm kind of quite lucky that a CEO, I can have a, a, just a very light touch on, on everything without getting um, too involved. Um, but, but again, you know, she's been able to go on these amazing round the world trips and stuff. We just haven't been able to go with her because I've been at work. So she's, she's been doing some amazing stuff as well. The um, oh yeah. But I mean, do you know what though as well? She, well, she's, she's, she's a workaholic and prior, which I am as well, but she, you know, she makes the Terminator look lazy. And I know prior to her, um, stepping away from Grenade day to day, you know, it wasn't going to be sustainable. I mean, she was working again, still, you know, nine years into the brand from 5am to, you know, 11pm. And she was just going to make herself ill, but it comes back to that all or nothing thing again, I think, to be honest as well, but she was working far too hard at that stage in the game, which, you know, we could all see. And I think she eventually realized to be honest, but I think it took her probably 12 months to realise how hard she, you know, she's working. This kind of getting up at 5am, you know, to go to the gym, um, to commute to work, to be at a desk for seven o'clock, you know, you, you shouldn't really still be having to do that when you're, you know, nine years in into such a successful brand. It's great doing it to build it, but you can't do it forever. And I think this is the problem with entrepreneurs. You've got to learn when not to do it and when to let someone else come in and do it, to be honest. Yeah, um, because that's a tricky thing. Letting go is hard. Letting go is really hard. Yeah, and I think I probably found it a bit easier to let go of certain things. Yeah. Oh well, you're safe. You're healthy. You're isolating. Things are good. The future's looking. Yes. Right. Yeah, it's feeling like the yes/no game is coming up imminently. It's feeling like it's coming. I've got one more question. It's a silly question. Go on. If you could be an go on, I can't do sensible questions anyway. If you could be an animal, Alan, what animal would you be and why? I would like to be a cat with a bloody good home. I want to be a cat that lives here, to be oh. honest, because I love cats. 
Oh. Yeah. So, um, and actually my cats passed away last year to be honest. I lost both my cats last year, oh. but, um, just through, uh, one was quite old and then one was just unlucky. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And I think, yeah, a cat with a good home, I think, because you can sort of, um, yeah, every day do what you want. And, um, they're pretty, pretty independent. Yeah. I could probably sleep for 18 hours a day if I really <laughs> wanted to. Um, yeah, and that's uh, true, like that's said, the, true, the key, the keys. Your true self coming out there. That's you want to just eat, drink a bit. Potentially, of I could, <laughs> I could, I could sleep for eighteen hours a day. Yeah, that's it. What, what, what would yours be? What animal would you be? You, oh, no one's actually asked me this. No one's ever asked me. Mm-hmm. In my, I think in my apprentice interview, I said like lioness, but that's so cliche. Um, I've had like, and they're Rob endangered. Moore, yeah, Rob mm-hmm. Moore said. Um, He'd be an eagle, an eagle or bird of prey, something like that. So the no, he's getting mixed up. He means a sparrow. <laughs> Rob's getting mixed he said, up. He said so when people troll him, he can shit on them from the sky, basically. He'd be he'd be a great tit. He'd be. <laughs> I'm telling you, <laughs> yeah, just. Or just a tit. Oh, yeah, I'll tell it myself. Yeah, just but just tit, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> right, are you ready for the yes/no game? Go on, go on then. Yeah, go on. Firstly, can I say, and we'll end it off at the end, but this has been a very fun interview. Thank you so much. And so inspiring. Oh, likewise, you're welcome. No problem at all. Thank you. Right. You're very welcome. And if you are good at this, by the way, I speed up to try and trick you. Just letting you know. (laughs) I won't be good at this, but go on. Okay, so the rules are, you're not allowed to say yes. And you're not allowed to say no. You can say anything else, but not yes or no. Does that make sense? Oh, oh I think it was just, oh, I think it was literally yes and no answers, but it's the opposite. I can't say yes and no. Oh, crap. I'll get about three questions in. Do you like competitive stuff? You are in the sports industry. <laughs> no? Okay. Are you Go ready? Go on. Yes. Oh, tricked. Oh, was that, was that, that has it started? It wasn't, it wasn't. Has it started? <laughs> It hasn't started. Okay. Okay. So that did, yeah, didn't didn't last well, did it? Go no, on then. Now you're ready, right? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, we got it. Okay. Are you a morning person? I can be. Do you sing in the shower? Never. Do you like cornflakes? I do like cornflakes. Have you ever run a red light? <gasps> Uh, regularly. <laughs> Are you a fan of Justin Bieber? Huge fan. Would you ever do a bungee jump? Never. Do you like scary movies? I don't. Are you afraid of the dark? When I was little. Is a Jaffa cake a biscuit? It's a cake. <laughs> yeah, you did it. Well done. Oh, was that it? That's oh, that was actually quite good. I was okay. Oh, I did better than I thought. And I did give you different answers. I did yeah. try and give you different. I didn't just go never, never, never. Oh, never. Yeah, okay. And, and oh, good. If you'd, and if you'd pause. Well, I win something. I'll send you a few grenades. No. <laughs> you... wouldn't, wouldn't it that shit? <laughs> If you, had paused, if you had paused for too long, I would have got really strict with their like, but well done. That was brilliant. Okay. Obviously good okay. Competitive sports. Thank you, Alan. Well, I think it's now. I'll, 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 are you welcome? No, no, sorry. What were you going to say? 
I um, I'll have it ingrained on my brain. I won't be able to say the Y or the N word all day now. Yeah. If you get bored during lockdown, you and your wife, you know, feel free to play the game. Just let me know. Share the video. Can't can't play competitive games with Jules because I cheat and she will stab me in the face. And she's angry. She's very angry. So um, yeah, just 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 don't do anything like that. I um, we went we went bowling once about fourteen years ago, and um, yeah, never did it again. Oh, and actually, the first year that we went to ski, I'd never skied before. She'd skied once before when she was like four, um, and uh, yeah, we went skiing. And I was shit at it, and she was just naturally really good and rather than sort of saying oh yeah well then you're a natural i just got really pissed off and accused her i think of having secret lessons <laughs> basically which which she didn't deny she never denied um but yes i'm not a very good sport really oh. but it was absolutely my pleasure so i wish you all the best oh, of it thank and, um, you. you've been amazing thanks for, thanks for and this will be this will be out next week so i'll send you the link awesome. if you'd like to share but thank you so much honestly been a pleasure Likewise, have a great day. Stay safe. Take Take care. care. Bye. Cheers. Bye, bye, bye.